This is the Shift Podcast. On the Shift Daily Podcast, coming up, Blaine Kylo and the technological world talking about the biggest game of 2020, Cyberpunk 2077, is back on PlayStation Store in 2021 after it sucked when it came out. And if that's not clear enough for you, that's cool. Listen to the piece. It's going to make much more sense for you. Plus, gender pronouns, they can be confusing. We see them all over the place now. Most of us, I think, don't quite understand what it is that's going on. So we got some help from author S. Bear Bergman to help us understand the language behind gender pronouns, the impact of using them, and how it can be particularly helpful to just give it a shot. And are you okay with going commando and so much more? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay? Completely out of context. Ryan Knopf spent his Wednesday doing something he loves. Naked. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's a great one. Are you okay? It'll all make sense now. You ready? Are you okay with going commando? No, 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 not really, no. It's uncomfortable, and you just feel like, even if you do it, you know something's going to go wrong. You know, it's like, of course, this is the day that someone runs up and pants me in public, right? It's just going to happen. Oh, yeah. So, no. I mean, maybe if I'm out in the wild or something, but in general, no, just... If I'm no, out in the not. wild. When was the last time you were in the wild? You're a downtown living electric scooter riding yep. grocery delivering no, human. I, don't do that. I mean, I get my own groceries. No. I do what the do scooting, you? though, that's for sure. Do the scooting. Um, yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Brendan. I, you know, the commando thing, it it's like a mask to me. It's that extra layer of protection. You never know when your pants are going to rip. And I have bad luck with pants. My pants always rip. If I, commando, that's not good. That's just, it's not good. Maybe on a hot day, though. I don't know. My daughter had a dance recital in Red Deer, Alberta. I was wearing shorts. My son and I were outside getting ready to go inside, and I bent over to pick something up and did the classic seam rip from the top of the backside of my pants all the way around to the bottom tore open like something out of a commercial or a comedy sketch and let me tell you that was evidence enough for me to go thank goodness it wasn't a commando day because i had gym strip from the gym in my truck so i went and changed thank goodness and i have a photo of me holding up my pants um, with the with the rip in it. It was a day that I will never remember. So if you happen to be uh, traveling about during COVID times internationally, because that's apparently a thing, uh, at least in the way that we're telling this story, in Weeping Water, Nebraska, you might have spotted an Omaha man who spent the day attempting to set a world record. Who wouldn't want to set a world record? He wanted to skydive 60 times in one day, which seems like a lot. But his record was to do it naked. Why? Who doesn't want to no. do it naked? Why? This is a cold. Well, that's <laughs> very cold. Refreshing. Yeah. Crisp. Really? That's what I call I wind know. chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
The pool was cold. The water was cold. Um, I'm. There's a lot of, you know, flapping. The best part, he did it all to raise money for the friends he has lost. Strange way, it seems, sure. But maybe him and his friends like to be naked. Uh, here's more from 1011 Now. Many in the skydiving community commemorate a hundredth jump in the same fashion. And Ryan says he's lost too many friends and family to suicide who will never get a chance to participate. My friends that we lost to mental health issues was about that close to his hundredth jump. And close enough that he talked about it all the time. And he didn't get to make it. So I'm out here making that for him and a lot of other people that we lost. There is no current world record for most naked skydiving jumps in 24 hours. So today, Kanoff will set the bar for others behind him. He's also teamed up with the Movember Foundation to help raise money for suicide prevention. I took my passion and what I have available to me in life. I have skydiving. I love it more than anything. And I sat down and I started thinking, what can I do to help? Okay, the premise is amazing. Volunteers with decades of parachute flying experience took him up in two different planes, and he had people packing and repacking his parachutes. That's not all. A team of nurses were there to make sure he didn't overdo it. And there were even nurses to make sure he wasn't getting too overexerted. Uh, some of the tents were full of supporters. <laughs> there to cheer him on uh they asked the pilots what they thought of this and there was no comment and for the poor volunteer who had to help him strap on that parachute well thankfully it wasn't a double you know when they have the instructor tandem tandem, yeah (laughs) god I just want to point out that if you look at the photographs, at least the ones published, there is some underwear there. There is some, although it could be part of his harness. I'm not too sure. Regardless, I love the idea that if you go a hundred, if you skydive a hundred times, you mark it by going naked. That's kind of an awesomely weird tradition. Let's just hope you don't land over a public place. Yeah. And I, I can't, we're on a prickle. I can't, um, I, I just chafing thing like those straps are like seat belts, and I just I can't let that part go. Uh, fundraiser thumbs up, but <sighs> there's a there's an antibiotic cream or something that's involved when this thing's all done. My goodness, are you okay? Are you okay with raves? <laughs> oh, yeah, I like the idea. Uh, I've only been to like maybe one or two, and I feel like I was on the same level as just about everyone else in the room. That's for sure. Nice. Mm. Well, yeah, I've colors. never been to one. It's not really. No. I I like I the type of electronic music I enjoy is very particular and not very rave like. So I don't know. Maybe, but it's never really been something I've sought out. But yeah, rave culture is entertaining to watch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i used to dj them see they're that fun. would they're be f- an interesting yeah lots they were of fun to dj sure yeah um yeah it was it was great actually um when you think of a rave you imagine some questionable pills of course weird outfits um glow sticks yeah definitely. dancing probably someone with some hula hoops mm-hmm. and music that sounds like this of course <laughs> Um, okay, what if there was a rave 
and the pills were Pabst Blue. <laughs> the outfits had denim and cowboy hats, and the music sounded like this. That's worse. Um, by the way, uh, it's Ryan at itstheshift.ca. If an hour from now you still have that in your head, that's Ryan's decision. <laughs> <laughs> you feel free no. to send that complaint to Ryan. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right. Thousands of people gathered last week to hold America's wildest and crazy country party in the Tint Town, Kentucky. <laughs> in a tint in a, in a Kentucky. tiny Kentucky town. Oh, really? Oh, we're, close. Wow. we're doing pretty good that's... to a perfect show. Yeah, well, we're getting there. In case tinted. you missed it, it was dreadful. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, in a tiny Kentucky town, uh, days of disorder resulted in four dozen people criminally charged and left others with insane injuries. Blue Holler Off-Road Park in Edmondson uh, County played host to the Redneck Rave, a five-day country party that organizers promised would feature mud, music, and mayhem. <laughs> Wow. The event was organized by a country rapper known as Just In Time. Here's more from WHAS 11. It started last week at the Blue Holler Off-Road Park in Edmondson, Edmondson County, Kentucky. Now, that's near Mammoth Cave. Our affiliate in Bowling Green received the arrest information from the Sheriff's Department. 48 people were charged with a variety of offenses, and of those 48 people, 14 were arrested. According to the Associated Press, those who were arrested came from Kentucky and several other states, including Michigan, Missouri, and Tennessee. There's also a long list of injuries reported, and we'll only name a few here. During the five days, EMS responded to broken bones, severed and dislocated fingers, and one person was even impaled after a four-wheeling crash. There were also medical issues related to the excessive drinking of alcohol there at the Redneck Rave. Would you uh, would you like to know how that guy was impaled? Oh, I guess it's Is pretty. No one he's okay. Answer. Okay. Essentially, what happened was he went off roading in the mud, and mm-hmm. he took a jump that was too big, and he uh. went over a piece of wood that went through the floor of his off roader and impaled him. Oh. And they went to you know help him out, but they. The piece of wood was too big, so they actually transported him by os- to hospital in a helicopter with the it's still in him, and then they took it out at hospital. But he's okay. That's oh. a big splinter. That's a rave. There, um, yeah, that's a party. Holy! I imagine there are like some swamp buggies and other things there. Which, by the oh, way, yeah. you're not supposed to pull out the like big sharp things if you want to take a first aid class. Remember yeah. swamp buggies? The oh yeah, the mud, just the mile of mud in Florida. They used oh. to have like the swamp buggy nationals. Yeah. I used to watch yeah. that after the NHRA on Sunday mornings. That was fantastic, man. Yeah, I it was. That's not on TV anymore. Um okay, according to Kentucky Now, the June edition of the Rave featured a huge football game, a demolition derby with a $5,000 purse. You know that's an old term. Because today you can actually just go buy a five thousand dollar purse. Goldfish racing and more. EMTs reportedly put in forty four hours, forty four hours of overtime at the event. Oh, are you okay? <laughs> I know what's next. That's why I'm laughing. Are you okay with cows? <laughs> yeah. 
why not? Yeah, cows are yeah, cows, cows are cool. Are they uh, milk. I like milk. I like beef. Mm. Uh, and oh, uh, and like one time when I was in England, we met uh, like a a cow in the wild that was very kind. Oh, you were in the wild in England. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you're in the wild. We were in the middle of nowhere. That that was the last time I was in the wild. There you go. Nice. And Oliver. Yeah, cows. 2011. Make me think of road trips when I was with my family when I was young. It used to be like, you know, driving through the the dairy farms of western New York, and my mom would be like, oh, look, cows. And we'd all be like, yes, mom, cows. <laughs> yes, mother. <laughs> all right. Uh, you've heard Revenge of the Nerds. How about Revenge of the Bovines? A herd of cows, at least 34 cows, ended up stampeding through a neighborhood in L.A., after somehow managing to escape from a slaughterhouse in the area. Lucky cows. Here's more from KTLA 5. And a herd of cattle trotting down a neighborhood street here in Pico Rivera, running through people's yards, jumping over chain link fences. It all started around 7.30 last night. L.A. County Sheriff's deputies responded to the area after receiving numerous calls about it. As the cows stampeded throughout the residential area, one cow charged at a family of four, knocking some of them to the ground. A deputy opened fire and killed the animal to protect the family from further injury. They were taken to a local hospital where they were treated for minor injuries injuries. Uh, several deputies kept following the animals. Now, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department said most of the cows had been detained. One was away and wild, and as a treat to all the shift heads, here is some cringy anchor banter. Love We love TV people trying to just, you know, be spontaneous from that whole package. Frank, Jessica, earlier this morning, Kirk Hawkins had the best time of his life with these cow puns. It was cow puns galore. Galore, uh, uh earlier this morning. I, I want to make sure you're not going to do that, or are you, or, or is Mark going to join as well? No, we, we, we've decided to move on. Okay, see? <laughs> look at that. <laughs> oh, look at that. I made Carlos yeah. laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was, that was pretty good. I didn't expect it. That was good. No. No. How do you not expect that? One. Oh, my. This is the Shift Podcast. In today's world, things are finally starting to make sense, I think, for a lot of us. Some clarity, some things where we always looked at life and went like, I don't get it. But then the irony is, is that in a lot of the clarity comes more questions, kind of like an onion. We peel away the onion and often there's another layer of questions behind it. So I wanted to have a conversation. We were introduced to, introduced to Bear Bergman. Uh, through a lot of different things, it actually started because of poetry. It started around gender pronouns and uh, getting into conversations of that. And I really hate labels. I don't hate labels. That's a terrible word. I find labels inefficient, inaccurate. And when we put a label on somebody, it often closes our listening. So um, I'm just going to start the conversation without telling you who Bear is and just start asking questions about uh, Bear. Uh, Bear Bergman does has done poetry and then bear you said you've only done really one good poem and and it just happened to be good (laughs) i i swear the one time that i managed to publish a piece of poetry i accidentally uh hit the right note i guess and it (laughs) became a thing but i i i've written a number of books and i've 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 performed quite a few stage plays but somehow poet will follow me forever yeah well it's it's i mean poets wear cool hats right so you can wear Absolutely. a cool hat anytime you I'll like take it and if anybody judges you you'll be like hey i'm a poet 
That's all right. Leave me alone. <laughs> Fair. I really, I honestly hadn't considered that angle. Well, right. I mean, this is what we're here for on the shift bear is to open Thank up you. your, your hat choices. <laughs> this is Amazing. what we're going for. <laughs> um, you've done a fair bit of writing. Help us understand, because you've done some work inside uh, the theater and art and, and your writing. What kind of books do you write? Uh, for adults, I write creative nonfiction, you know, essays. And uh, I, I have a book coming out in the fall that's um, an advice book comes out of my advice column, which is called Asking Bear, because I'm not very good at titles, but better at writing otherwise okay. uh and then for children i write fun fantastical stories about space and fairies and animals and lots of playful nonsense my understanding is that gender identity is a big part of your work um yeah. so is is that is that writing about characters that sort of free flow uh in an in a well non-compartmentalized world um or is it uh is it something else uh, I would say that for, you know, my writing for, for grownups, uh, you can't say adult books cause that's something else, but my, <laughs> my, my grown people books, uh, are about my experiences with gender as a person who has, uh, had a lot of genders over the course of my life, or I guess I would say has expressed my gender in a variety of ways over the course of my life. Uh, and I do a lot of um, education about it as well. You know, trying to trying to help people understand what's how to talk about gender in ways that are attentive and respectful and authentic, mm -hmm. um, both in you know artistic ways because that's one place that I do work, try to make interventions, and then also in uh, professional, you know, consulting, put on a shirt and tie and go stand up and tell people things kind of ways. Yeah. I, it, I, that's interesting to me. I mean, it sounds to me when we listen from that perspective that it's just a journey of self-discovery, which is really kind of what this life thing is, whether it's, hey, I like blue shoes or I like to work as a, a nurse or a doctor. Uh, nope don't want to be a nurse or a doctor. I want to be a tow truck driver, right? Like, I mean, self-discovery really is a core piece. And when you describe it that way, it seems to me that you're just another dude on his own, you know, journey of self-discovery. Like I think a lot of people are. And, and your, your analogy isn't, isn't wrong, you know? And I also think that everyone has to struggle with gender in various ways whether they realize it or not right you know it's just that gender is such an intense force it's like you know fish don't notice water that thing but we go through life and we get a lot of feedback everybody doesn't matter what your experience is we get a lot of feedback about our genders uh from all the people around us and some of it's negative you know boys don't cry sit like a lady you know, boys won't like you if you're smarter than they are, late girls. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when coaches yell at, at men's teams, you know, all right, ladies, let's see more effort next time or some other business. That's all gender. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes we get it in positive ways, like when we do something that is very – that people approve of because it matches – 
the gendered expectations of us. And then we get told, you know, way to be a man or, um, you know, you're, you're so ladylike and polite or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes, it takes a bite out of everybody's life in a way. Um, but it's harder to recognize when you're mostly in sync with it. You know, it's not until you get someone who finds it uncomfortable or unbearable that then they start to say, wait a minute, actually, this is not this gender expectation that people have of me. That's not how I want to live my life at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's what I hear from that as I mean, with my writing is, is not gender at all. I just hear expectation. Why do we have an expectation on this person to be something? <laughs> I mean, they get to be themselves. I mean, that's the thing for me. And I, I, maybe that's too simplified and not real for everybody. And I should respect the fact that not everybody looks at it that way. I mean, so two things, one, and this is the part that's wild, right? We literally as a society, we make a very brief inspection of an infant's genital shape and we make a whole set of assumptions about what they're going to like and how they're going to behave for the rest of their life. Yeah. And when you say it like that, I say it to people and they look at me like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. But if you look at, you know, gender reveal parties, all those cakes are like guns or yeah. Pearls. Well, I was just going to nope. say that. I mean, that's the biggest irony of today's world is that we say that gender doesn't matter, but then we're lighting forests on fire with blue rockets. Like, it's the craziest thing. Before the baby's even born. born. Like, this is still a fetus. We have all these expectations about what a baby will grow up to be based on, like, a literally a very short glance at a very small part of their body but we take it like it's gospel. Then the other thing too is, you know, simultaneously, I respect people who say it shouldn't matter. It's just a label, but I definitely also notice that those are people who haven't been in the position of constantly having to move through the world with expectations on them that they can't, meet like there are a lot of consequences in harassment and violence for children at school there's a lot of consequences in employment in you know out on the street whatever so on the one hand yeah everyone should be able to be whoever they want and who cares about the label but also a some of us have to figure out a way to live in the world we have while we're working toward the, you know, genderless or gender free utopia. And also labels give us a way to caucus, right? Like a label might not be a perfect descriptor, but at least it gives me a sense of, all right, you know, if I'm going to go and find some other people who have a similar experience to mine, where do I go? And the closer you are to, you know, straight and cisgender, which is a word that is, you know, basically not transgender. Um, And, you know, 
other and Christian in Canada and a lot of other things, like it's easy to find people to vibe with because right. so many of the people around you share those things. Um, but the further you are from the mainstream, the more labels become valuable when you need to figure out who are the people who share your experience and maybe can give you some help, advice, validation, commiseration, you know, social time or whatever you want. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me. I, I, I take this perspective that, you know, I don't care if you want to be Mrs. John Smith. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, okay, Mrs. John Smith, like, and, and maybe that's where I got caught up because for me, I don't, I just don't care. If you say to me, I want to be Mrs. John Smith, then it's like, okay, this is Mrs. John Smith. Like, right. So that's where it gets me. But as a, as a, as a language person, I get caught up in, well, first of all, I get caught up in the use of pronouns in general. Pronouns are just a shortcut in language. And there are some deeply woven things in language that are gender-based anyway, especially in other languages like French and Italian that are deeply woven into the way we communicate anyway. Um, so to me, my answer is, well, just don't use pronouns. This is, this is bear. It's bear. That's all that needs to be is that this is bear. This person says, I call me bear. And you're like, where's bear? There's bear. Like to me, that that's the logical, accurate way to use language. I get hung up though in the pronouns that are non-binary and uh and help me with this because you know the he she thing like you can be uh mrs john smith and a her if that's the way you want to be called that doesn't i'm, I'm like sure but when someone says they they by the language is typically plural or unknown uh and so in fact, when you go through the history of the word they, they is actually a separator word. It separates you from them. And the history of language, if you look through some of the most evil rhetoric in the world, one of the most common words you will find is the word they, right? They're no, the bad guys. I have to disagree with you. The most evil word is it. Oh, you know what? I would, that's it. I don't disagree with that. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. The most evil word is the one that dehumanizes, sure. not the one that separates. Now, I'm not speaking about, um, you know, individual people when I finish the thought. The thought is, is that when, when, when somebody, when a bad person wants to create separation and split, like the notions around people, they use the word they. They do this. They're the bad guys. They are the evil people, right? It's separating. And so, yeah, you know what? You've actually just inspired me with it. I'm going to spend some time with the word it, especially in regards to people. And so, yet we have this this new... Um, nondescript attempt, and it's going to change over time because everyone's just trying to figure it out, to use non-binary and to use they and their. And I find that really hard because in language, it's designed based on history anyway, as a plural. I understand even in some of the different faiths and belief systems, dual-spirited people being more than one spirit. And I think that that's where we grow as people to say, okay, well, that, this is a multi-spirit person. And in many um, belief systems, those multi-spirited people are looked up on as being uh, people to listen to because they have multiple perspectives. In language, though, it's the way it's been. It's just been so lost. And, and how do we get from this is the way it has been and this is the way that we a uh, you know autopilot our way through it. And then we try to take a word that we've all of our lives have been understanding it this way. 
And now there's a, and there, there are splits inside the trans community. I've found this online in my research. Some people say that the use of pronouns is, is become such a mess that it doesn't help the community. And then others that say that it is. So I realize that's a tsunami of thoughts. And I was really hoping that <laughs> you can shed some light on all of it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, let me try. Let me try. So one thing I would say is that I bet you'd be very surprised to discover the history, how long a history they as a pronoun that's just gender nonspecific is. You Mm -hmm. find it in Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales. Mm -hmm. You find it in Shakespeare. You can see it in Comedy of Errors. Mm -hmm. You find it in uh, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Like, these are not, you know, minor things that somebody scratched on a Elizabethan bathroom wall. Like, these are. And they're not new books either, right? They're not new books. That's one of the things, right? None of this is new, you know? You you alluded it to yourself. Almost every indigenous society in the world has neutral to positive language and neutral to positive social roles for people that today we understand as non-binary or transgender. You know, and colonization happened and a lot of that language was violently erased and a lot of those... Uh, a lot of those ceremonies and societal pieces were heavily suppressed. Um, so a little bit, we're sort of coming out of a sleep. Uh, we're coming out of a, a time when that knowledge was forbidden and we're taking it back. But it's, it's always interesting to me how people simultaneously use they and them pronouns without even thinking about it until someone says, I want you to use they or them pronouns for me. Like Mm -hmm. everybody in the world has said, Oh, someone left their coat and never thought twice about it. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly like you describe. It's basically the, as the definition is, it refers to somebody because the gender is unknown. Well, so there's a way You could say unknown, or Mm. you could simply say unspecified, right? It's not necessarily unknown. It's simply unspecified to the conversation. If you think about about the idea that non-binary genders are outside the system of, you know, man and woman that we have, I think it becomes a lot easier to just say, okay, this, this, this gender doesn't fit into either man or woman. It's some of both. It's beyond the spectrum. It's over the river and through the woods, whatever it is. I, I think it's easier to understand why someone would choose they or them. And I'll tell you, they or them is already a compromise. You know, there have been for a lot of years, at least, 30 that I can think of people have been trying to figure out a gender non-specific pronoun that English language users will adopt. We're not going to talk about French. I can't say anything about gender in a language that says mustache is a feminine noun and vagina is a masculine noun. I have nothing. I have nothing for French. They have to figure out their own problems. 
Um, but in English, you know, there are a variety of pronoun sets that people tried out first before they and them. Z and here were very popular for a while. Z, E, and H, I, R, uh, which are also, you know, very old. And people sort of said, let's bring those back. But people wouldn't say them. Uh, none of the what are called neo-pronouns, right, in air quotes, people wouldn't get on board with them. There was all this complaint, oh, I don't like saying it. It sounds funny. It's not a real word. And so then non-binary people said, all right, fine. We already have they and them. And it, it means the thing that we want it to mean. So let's just go with that. And I'll be very honest. I can make 15 arguments about why they're legitimate. I can cite linguistic sources. I can cite literary sources. I can tell you about the psychological effect of respecting someone's pronoun. I can tell you about history and law and art. But the truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, it's about respect. Mm -hmm. You know, you respect someone's personhood or you don't. And if you don't, then there's really nothing that I can say to anyone that will cause them to respect a non-binary person's personhood. And if they do, then they'll figure it out. My grandmother figured it out. Like, don't, no one is so, no one is incapable of figuring it out. What I, what I resent as a person who also, like you, is very interested in language, is when I try and talk about they and them as a non-binary pronoun set and someone who's literally never said a word about grammar in their whole life suddenly yeah. starts with, oh, well, that's not grammatically correct. In, when did you start to care? That's just a cover, yeah. in my opinion, for making a decision that you're not gonna respect someone else's identity. You know, and at the end of the day, that's it. That's it for me. It's the Shift Podcast. From the West Coast, North Vancouver, and the technological world, solocore.com, S-O-L-O-C-O-R-P-S.com, at solocore on the Twitter. Not only is he a self-proclaimed and passionate nerd, uh, like we all are here on The Shift, he is also a fantastic dad. So how does fantastic dad get through a heat wave with the, with the, the children? Well, our plan get this we're going to escape my daughter and i this weekend are going to escape the heat wave in the lower mainland by going to Kelowna, which i think is the only place where it's going to be maybe five to ten degrees hotter yeah <laughs> well we have cam loops in our broadcast direct broadcast yeah. area and there the cam loops forecast is for the weekend you ready for this you sure you might want to rethink like low, this plane. Low 40s isn't it 36 40 40 40 yeah yeah, and wow. same in Kelowna. We're we're headed for a baseball tournament, fast pitch tournament. So we're going to be outside. Wow. Um, we're I, I've been planning for this for over a week already. 
Um, and our trick is redundancies when it comes to ice packs and cooling towels and coolers with ice and lots of water and yeah. sunscreen. Wow. Sunscreen. There was that research thing that came out uh, yesterday about uh, play areas in BC. This they did all this research about how to protect children from the sun, and sunscreen and all this thing. And what they determined was, is that the best way to protect protect people from getting sunburns was to protect them from sunburns with shade. That was the all of that research. That was their determination. <laughs> I'm glad, glad we spent money on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that boils down to amazingness. All right, we got one text message here from Derek Blaine that I wanted to pass on. It says this, please tell your techno geeky guy, I think that's a compliment, um, that I had an absolutely amazing experience of seeing the working Apple One computer that Jobs and uh, made in his garage uh, valued at like almost a million dollars US. So pass that on to you. Sounds like a cool That would be cool because that's where he got a start, right? It was um, Jobs and Wozniak that got their start yeah. literally in the garage and birthed so many stories about technology companies and software companies as startups out of garages because once upon a time you could do that. Ar arguably, you still can. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly in the world of software development, you're probably, well, although I'm in a garage, I could probably make some software where I am. Um, mm -hmm. You don't need a lot. And because computers are super powerful these days and reasonably cheap comparatively, um, the barriers to entry are almost gone. Yeah, you don't need like that big wall of machines like you used to. Nope. Um, so yeah, you can kind of just do it from your bedroom underneath your bunk bed, like some people here on the shift do. And, and with um, 3D printers and things like that, the opportunities to create and invent and construct are really, I mean, we've never had opportunities like we do now. Yeah, prototypes and try things and get it wrong. Very cool stuff. Well, how far we've come, Blaine Kylo, when we look at some of these video games and the fact that you could just go on to a digital store and get your video games in today's world. That's where we start here on the technological world. Yeah, and uh, why don't we start with the clip? Where'd you even come from? How are we even talking? Gotta get out of here, understand? And I'll kill anyone who gets in my way. You weren't dreaming, B. Those were memories. So the astute among us are going to know whose voice that was. Keanu Reeves, who starred in Cyberpunk 2077, the big massive release from last fall from CD Projekt Red, that kind of fell a bit flat and has been off the PlayStation Store for about six months only now returning to the digital storefront run by Sony um, because the game just wasn't running as well as Sony thought that it should, and they didn't want to have to sell something that they were just going to have to issue refunds for. That was like a really buggy, that was the really buggy one that came out and everyone was excited, right? And then it was just dreadful for crashing and stuff. Is that the same game that we talked about? Yeah, and the interesting thing about it is that it really depended on what platform you were playing it on. Your experience varied. So there were lots of people, the, the game was designed for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and Windows. And if you were playing on a Windows machine, you tended to be okay if you had a high-powered gaming lap, uh, gaming computer. If you were playing on a PS5 or a PS4 Pro or an Xbox Series X, like one of the next-gen consoles, because they can play all the games from the last generation, 
your experience on those consoles wasn't terrible. But if you were playing on a console that the game was ostensibly designed for, the PS4 or the Xbox One, it didn't work very well at all. CD Projekt Red has been, for the past six months, issuing patch after patch after patch. They've improved the game, but I haven't gone back to it um, because I'm waiting for the true next-gen upgrade for PS5 and Xbox Series X because this is a game that I like to play on my console and on my TV. And CD Projekt Red says that they're still planning on releasing this next-gen upgrade, so anybody who owns a copy will get that upgrade for free, and I'm going to wait until that's available before I go back. I want to play it. It the, the game actually is amazing if you can get through it without it crashing. So next-gen upgrade, uh, is that like a Windows update, basically, or is it something hardware-driven? Um, it's, it's, no, it's all software. So it's not like you need to do anything else. You don't get a new disc or anything like that, but it's software so that it's optimized and designed to run on the next gen consoles as opposed to previous gen. Makes sense. Okay. So uh, PlayStation, that's what's going on with cyberpunk 2077. Uh, there's more software stories around PlayStation two. Yeah, as this well. is interesting. Not two. Yeah. <laughs> not PlayStation 2. Um, that's old. PlayStation as well. <laughs> yeah. Not not the PS2. Don't get confused. Um, the PS5, uh, Sony's rolling out a software beta program. So anybody who's got a PS5, there are more of us all the time, although it's still difficult to find one in stores. There's just a real shortage of chips these days. But if you do have a PS5 and you're interested in testing out the new features that Sony's building into the PS5 system software, they have now released a system software beta program. So you can actually sign up for the beta. The link is, you can just do a Google search for the link or hit solocore.com to find it. Um, And you can sign up to test drive some of the features that will be coming later. Um, You need an internet connection, of course, if you want to participate in this. And you need to have a PlayStation Network account. Um, But that's pretty easy to do. The last PS5 console software update introduced support for external storage devices, for example, um, and gave PS4 owners the chance to try out PS5 games owned by their friends using SharePlay. So if you had been in on a beta at that point, you would have added access to those features before everybody else. So a reason maybe to give it a go. I can't help but wonder, um, you know, all of this. I mean, this sounds fantastic, really, when you think about it, the fact that, hey, this is my favorite game. You can try it, da-da-da-da-da. That could be overwhelming for someone who just wants to try things. I mean, PlayStation 5s are hard to get. PlayStation 4s, pretty good price for used if you want to get them, stuff like that. Is that fair to just say, look, if you're looking to do it on the cheap, go get yourself a good console that works and just give it a try? You don't need to worry about the fancy things. Is that fair? It's totally fair, and I will say that as excited as I am to play on PS5 and Xbox Series X because I have access to these consoles, there's still only a handful of games that are truly made for these consoles. If you can get your hands on a PS4 or an Xbox One for a decent price, there are hundreds of games that you can play And a lot of those games are discounted pricing right now um, 
because this is a, an old generation. So if you're just looking for something to play, go with the last generation because it's going to be a year or two before we have lots of games to play for these new consoles. Right now, you've got a handful. All right. Well, if you're going to order your uh, PlayStation 4, uh, don't try to get a deal on Prime. That's a terrible segue, but here we are. <laughs> it is. Um, if you spend any time on the socials, you might have heard all the Americans talking about Amazon's Prime Day deals this week happening on Monday and Tuesday. And you might have been surprised um, if you tried to get some of those yourself that it wasn't happening in Canada. And no, you weren't hallucinating. That was actually planned. Um, in Canada, Amazon postponed Prime Day in part because of outbreaks at the company's Canadian warehouses of the COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, so Amazon Canada made the decision in May to postpone Prime Day here north of the 49th. They haven't announced a date when they will be having um, Prime Day in Canada. Uh, last year, Usually it happens in sort of June or July, sort of late spring, early summer. But last year when we were in the the sort of first wave of the pandemic, um, Prime Day was postponed worldwide until October. And so it's possible that we'll be heading into the fall before we get Prime Day here in Canada. To switch gears completely, uh, the technology never ceases to amaze me around the house, the things that you know, we use every day that gets smarter and smarter. And I look at my dishwasher, which is probably one of the oldest, most rotten, desperate for a replacement dishwasher of all the dishwashers. If I could, there was a contest for Canada's worst dishwasher. I could take a run at it. The only one that would beat me would be one of those, one of those Harvest Gold old ones. Um, but the technology around the house is much better. Dyson is doing more cool things. Yeah, they're always iterating on their products, and now they've got some updates to their high-tech vacuums that are kind of interesting. So the V15 Detect is a new portable hand vac that is equipped with a laser diode that actually um, shows on your floor the particles of dirt that are there. So it's a way for you to be sure that you're actually sucking up all of that dirt because the diode actually shows you what's there. And it's got an acoustic dust sensor that's built into it. And it, this thing listens for the sound of the particles that hit a sensor and counts them at the rate of 15,000 times per second to actually show you how many of these dirt particles and dust particles you're vacuuming up. Do we really want to know that number? Really? Well, it's. I think it's really cool because it means that you get some metrics around what you're doing. And so if you vacuum your floor today and you pick up 100,000 particles, I don't know if that's realistic or not. I haven't done the test myself. And then next week you pick up only 80,000 particles, well, either you didn't do a good enough job or maybe the kids weren't running around the house in their sneakers again. Or you're just an absolute slob and what a mess your house is. I don't know. That seems like a number. That seems like a crazy number. But you, can you, I don't know what's well, like counting, in your house. It's counting them at 15,000 times per second. The demo is quite amazing, yes. actually. It, 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 the, the sensor counts these things really quick. 
Dyson has also issued another product that's designed to make your broom obsolete. It's called the Omniglide, and this is designed for apartment dwellers and people who um, do more sweeping than they do vacuuming. And you can actually wield this thing with one hand, and it's got a floating cleaning head that can spin and swivel, so you can maneuver around obstacles and under furniture and things like that. Um, so it is a simpler lighter, more maneuverable vacuum-like design um, to make your broom irrelevant. Smartest thing Dyson ever did was create the Dyson toy vacuums for kids. They're grooming the children. (sighs) The Omniglide is light enough that they can wield that themselves so they can actually clean your house while they're playing. See, that's what I'm talking about. This is why I love Blaine Kylo. He's into slave labor like me with the children. Well done. Maybe not the determination you were trying to make, but that's what I get from it. <laughs> hey, good luck this weekend there, Coach, and uh, Super Dad, and uh, enjoy the weekend, and don't cook, okay? Yeah, no no cooking. It'll be like bagels and lots of water and takeout and lots of fun at the ballpark. It'll be fun for the Kylo family in Kelowna. 34, 37, 39, 39 is the forecast all weekend at SoloCore, SoloCore.com. Technological world. Thanks, Blainer. Stay cool out there. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.